Okay, no, I didn't say you could sit down. Come on now, I'm English, have your manners. Give somebody a big squeeze near you, either on the lower cheeks or the top cheeks. Now you can sit down. You can't do that when the men are in the house. You can't say squeeze cheeks without something terrible going wrong, so you have to enjoy it while you can. Well, how are you? This is my first time in Minnesota. So far, so good. I know that Jesus loves this place because you have Nordstrom's. All right, I'll come back. If there's a Nordstrom's, I know the Lord is smiling upon you. So when I found that out, it was all good. You know, Nordstrom's is the cure to jet lag, so I keep telling my husband. He's like, where are you? I'm in Nordstrom's killing jet lag. Okay, can you get out of Nordstrom's? No, my jet lag's really strong. So, so it's good to be here. And I want to thank Robin Becker for having me here and inviting. And I actually got to bring one of my dear friends that pastors a church in Rockford with me, Jan. This is Jan down here at the front, and she drove to be with me. I was like, Jan, I'm near you. She's like, well, kind of, sort of. I'm like, well... Can you drive anyway? So she said, yes, she would. So it's always good to have girlfriends on the journey with you, hey? And uh, I know it's going to be an amazing weekend, and you really don't know much about me, and so there's a few things we have to, you know, know about each other because we're girls. So I think I have a picture of my family that, you know, we should show you because they are very cute. Somewhere it's going to appear. That's me. Yes, I'm in my family. Do we have the other members of my family anywhere? Are they going to appear? Is the man giving me a thumbs up, thumbs down? Everyone's looking confused at the back. Thumbs down or up? What was that? Down? Okay. You do have a picture back there. They're really good-looking people. Maybe we can find them for tomorrow. But I have, I have a husband. We've been married for uh, 17 years, been to, together 20 years. He's an American. So, you know, I get you. I understand you. Uh, <laughs> I've pastored one of you for a while now, and, uh, and we, have, we have two children, Hope and Noah, Hope Cherish, um, and Noah Brave. Hope is nine, Noah is six, and they're both awesome, and, uh, and all of my family, bar me, have American passports. I don't know what that is about your country. They're not quite ready to give me a passport. They're like, you can come in with the rest of them, but we're not too sure yet that we want to give you an actual passport, so... So uh, we uh, pastor a church in England, as was said earlier, and we just love life. We love reaching people, helping people. That's kind of what we're all about. There's another thing I have to get straight before I carry on this evening, and that's this. I don't have an accent. I don't know why you're laughing, but I don't. Y'all have an accent, but I speak English, and you took our language and put a twang on it. So... It's not me that has the accent. So when you think she has a cute accent, no, I speak English. And you have a version of English, so you're the ones with the accent. So you're the ones with the cute accent, and I'm the one in the mother tongue. So if I say a word over the conference, I say a word, and you're like, that's not the right word. People, it is the right word. I have this discussion with my husband all the time. No, it's English. Therefore, my version of that word is correct. So 
Just letting you know in case you get confused that, you know, I'm just helping you with grammar as well as in the Word this weekend. <laughs> well, we brought resources with us, and I think there's a table out there, and we have some stuff, and I always forget to mention resources. But you know what? I really shouldn't because I believe in resourcing my life. You know, we can buy a lot of cute stuff in the Sparkle Boutique. By the way, I need to go to the Sparkle Boutique. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we love all that stuff. But, you know, we need to take home things as well with us that are investments. Sometimes we're the worst people to invest in ourselves. And, you know, you can go around looking for people to help you, but, you know, the best thing you can do by starting with is helping yourself by buying things that are investments into your marriage, into you as a person, into you as a mother, into you as a woman. And resources are just for that purpose. They're not so we can sell something. It costs more money, believe you me, to ship a whole load of heavy books and boxes and, and teaching materials to the other side of the world than it ever does in money you will take home. But I do it because I'm committed to try and put things into people's hands that will help you not make the same mistakes that I made. And you'll get to know me over these next few days, and I don't really keep any secrets. I tell you it like it is, and I tell you my mistakes so you can learn from them, because I figure that's what this privilege is all about. This privilege is about being real enough to help people get a breakthrough in their journey. And so there's some teaching material out there. This is my new book. It's called Now What? A question that many people are asking behind the question. You know, they never actually come to you and say, Pastor, now what? But really what they're saying when they're saying, I'm ill and I didn't expect this. You know, I lost, my husband's lost his job. And, you know, I didn't think that we would have to deal with this. We tithe. We're good people. You know, the situations that you didn't see coming, but they come anyway, create a now what? In ministry, in marriage, in family. And this is kind of a look at those now what scenarios that you and I face and, and the biblical kind of way of dealing with them from, from everything that you might feel like, I, I'm stuck, I, I, I don't know how to move forward. This takes a look at different things like that in a really practical way. My probably best-selling book is one called Identity, and this is all about exactly as the title says, discovering who you are, because who you are is not a label, a job, a gifting, a badge, a career, uh, you know, a role. It's none of that stuff. And for years of my life, I felt that if somebody would prophesy over me, if somebody would just give me a badge, then I would be tidied up and I would know what I was. And so I married a youth pastor and I was like, yes, finally. I am going to be a youth pastorate person. <laughs> and I went to youth pastor meetings and I went to the youth meetings and I hated them. They were too loud and they were too noisy. And my husband's eight years older than me. And I would be the grouch in the car saying, we're not staying long and I'm not picking up Coke cans and I'm not their mother. And he'd be like, oh, for goodness sake. And this went on for years. And I was a miserable youth pastor's wife until one day I had a revelation. That if I was married to a plumber and you rang my house because your pipes were burst and I answered the phone and said, well, my husband's not home, but I'll come instead because I married a plumber, you would say, no, thank you. But in the church, we have this weird idea that, you know, whatever that person does makes you have to do that. And I support my husband, do ministry with my husband, but I'm not his twin. I am his helper. And the best thing I could do at that season in my life was quit youth ministry and give him a peaceful night out with the young people. <laughs> that was the best help I could be. The day I told him I quit, he's like, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 
No more arguing, no more hassle, no more yeah, yeah, yeah in my ear. And you know, the youth ministry doubled when I left. And it was on a period of time out for me that I discovered I had books in me, I had creativity in me, I had ways to reach people all by myself that came alongside him. And some of you are stuck not knowing what your purpose is and not your role is, and it's a journey. So don't stop. If God hasn't, keep moving. So there's some good stuff out there. There's a teaching that I've done that's very popular, probably because of the title, called Whale Vomit. And uh, it's kind of a look at Jonah. You know, Jonah ended up in a whale, and we all think, poor Jonah. But you know, the whale was a gift to his life. The whale stopped him from drowning. The whale redirected his path. The whale gave him some time with God on his own. The whale was God's covering of him when he was going through some stuff. And sometimes we just need to be willing to get in the God whales he sends us so that we're not exposed to the waves and the elements. And he got in the whale, and I always have argued with God, but why send him out covered in vomit? That's not very nice because it says he was spewed out with stuff on him. And then I researched whale vomit. It's amazing what you research when you're a preacher. And I found that whale vomit is very rare and extremely expensive. And whale vomit is used in Chanel No. 5 perfume. And God wants to put you... God wants to put some of you in the belly of a whale and you will come out smelling just fine. <laughs> so if any of that might be helpful to you, go. And I don't think we have much stuff, so don't leave it till last minute. All right. I have tonight, I have two sessions tomorrow, and then I have all weekend with the church. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff that's on my heart over these sessions. And I want you to keep your heart open over this whole conference. You know, things that God wants to do over in a, a time like this, a period like this, happen in lots of different ways. Some of your breakthroughs are going to come in the worship. Some of them in a conversation at the after party. Some of them when you just stood looking at resources and talking to someone. There's going to be God connections, God things that happen. So you must stay on all the time. You can't come to something like this and kind of have a switch on, switch off mentality. And you must stay engaged because God's not disengaged at any point. Because some of you may have come here for one reason in your head, but God's got you here for a completely different reason. Do not box God into why you came. I didn't just come to speak. I came to receive. I didn't just come to do my bit. I came to be part of something bigger. And so my antennas up, God, why am I here? Who am I supposed to connect with? What is this about for my destiny and my future? And all of you, whether you're serving, whether you're involved, whether you've done this conference four years in a row and you're a little bit on autopilot, you need to arrest your spirit and arrest your attention because this is it. It's already begun. And before you know it, it will be gone. Before I know it, I'll be on a plane on Sunday afternoon and I'll be going back home again and it will be gone. That window of time will be gone. And so this is a time in your life where you've got to absolutely get everything out of it that you're supposed to. So God, we come right now to your word. And we take our heart off art autopilot. We take our mind from all the distractions and we focus on you. God, we want to lean into you this evening. We don't want to warm up. We want to be ready right now for a word from heaven for our lives, for our families, for our marriages, for our workplace. God, speak through me tonight. Let me get out of the way so God, you can have your way and let every life take something away this evening that will help them in their future and in the purposes you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
I'm going to read a proverb to you that's well known, and I'm going to locate a countdown clock somewhere so I stay on time. Could you give me one of the back boys that counts me down? You'll be really glad if you give me a clock, let me tell you. And so will all the women, because I'm on English time, so we could be here forever. So awesome. I see that clock. That's amazing. All right. Proverbs 24, verse 30 is a well-known proverb, and I'm going to read it to you, and then I want to jump off with a thought that I have for you tonight as we get going in this conference sparkle. It says this, I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment or the woman who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest and poverty will come upon you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed robber. This is a proverb that paints a picture for us that is a very instructive picture for every life in here this evening. It's a picture of a man or a woman in this scenario we could say that is given the responsibility of taking care of a field, of a vineyard. He's given this space, this sphere of life to bring rule over, to bring some influence over, to have as a domain that he is in charge of. And this field and this vineyard speaks of huge potential. This field, for all we know, could have grown any crop. This field had soil that could have been irrigated and seed could have been planted. It was a harvest potential. A vineyard speaks of a, of a potential place to make an income through growing the vine and through producing wines and producing grapes. It is a place that had potential and yet we do not read of any potential that has been brought forth from this field. Instead, we read that this field is covered in thorns, weeds and even ruins are in this sphere of influence that this gentleman has been given. And I want to talk to you tonight as a woman about the sphere of influence that you have been given. Because every single one of you in here has a field equivalent, has a vineyard equivalent in your life that God has entrusted to you to bring forth fruit from, to bring forth potential from, to grow a harvest in it. It is your area. It is your field. And I just know that many of us have to get on high alert because we have given into a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms, not a lot. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little bit of apathy to creep into your world and mine for the enemy to say, I will take the area that you are not possessing. I will take the spaces that you are not filling. I will take that area in your zone and I will fill it up. And I want to encourage us tonight with this message. I want to talk to you and encourage you and give you a title that is tonight to say, you need to own your zone. Say to the girl next to you, own your zone. Own your zone, girl. Because if you do not own your zone, I'll tell you somebody else will. If you do 
do not own your zone in your life, in your workplace, in your marriage, with your children, somebody else will. And I know that as God's women, we have to stand up and we have to get really serious about owning the zones in life that God has given us. I don't know if you think about your life this way. I don't know if when you look at your life, you see it as that vineyard, as that field, but I encourage you tonight to think of it that way. To think of the sphere that God has given you. See, we talk about reaching the ends of the earth, but the fact is the ends of the earth can make us feel somehow not responsible. And so I don't want to talk about the ends of the earth right now. I want to talk about your part of the earth. I want to talk about your street, your neighborhood, your friends, your workplace, your office, because that's the part of the world that God has planted you in. That is the area that belongs to you. I don't live on your street. Your neighbor is not my neighbor. I don't have your children. Your children do not belong in my home. They belong in your zone. And the question is, are you owning your zone? Are you taking that area and maximizing the zone that God has given you? I don't know what's in your zone. Your zone's kind of like the sphere of life that you've been given, kind of like this hula hoop. Imagine this is the zone. You know, for me, when I was single, I was in the zone. It was me in my zone, and my university degree was in my zone. But you know, as life progresses, you add things to your zone. So eventually I get married and, you know, my husband then became in my zone. I'm going to borrow this lady here. You can just come stand here. Yeah, you. I'm not going to hurt you. Don't worry. You can just turn around. Eventually God gives you friends and other people and they come in your zone. And then you might add children and other people that are in your zone. And all of us have zones in life, big or small, that God has entrusted to us. And whoever is in your zone, in your remit of influence, in your friendship circle, in your contact area, in the place where you do life, they are part of the field that God has given you. And God is asking you, what are you doing with the people in your zone? What are you doing with the things that have been entrusted to you in your zone? Are you owning it? Or are you just like, oh, whatever, you know, you know, it's not, you know, whatever. I mean, I know she's a nice girl and she lives on my street, but you know, whatever, I'm busy. You know, well, you know, whatever, because all it takes is a whatever attitude, which is the equivalent of a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms. And I'm telling you, the enemy will take over whatever comes out of your zone. Whatever you say is not for me to handle and not for me to manage, the enemy will say, that's fine. I will take that person. I will influence that person. I'll make sure that person comes in my zone because the church clearly, the, the, the person that God has clearly doesn't want to take control or take authority of this area. You can sit down. I don't know what it is that this represents for you, but I want you to think about it this night. And I want you to think about it over this conference because you are here not just representing you. See, you can't sit in a conference like this just thinking about you. You have to sit here responsible for all the things that are in the zone attached to you. Because whatever decisions you make at this conference will affect all the people inside your zone. If you decide to be strong, then all the people inside your zone will feel strength. If you decide to be joyful, all the people inside your zone will be joyful. If you decide to be positive, all your children and those around you will pick up off your positive. But if you decide to go 
go away from here negative or whiny or upset because you didn't get the chair you wanted or upset because you don't like the music or, or nose out of joint because the sparkly bling that you wanted got sold to somebody else. You know what? People in your zone will be influenced by what you take back. And so what is in your zone, you have control and a power and a voice too. And this man, this person we read about, just gives it a little bit of sleep and a little bit of slumber. And I know that God has sent me to say to some of you tonight, wake up because you are falling asleep on the job. You are nodding your head and nodding off to sleep on your watch. And the enemy wants you to go fully down into a deep sleep. And I need to tell you, you've got to own your zone, girl. You've got to get back in the zone and you've got to take an attitude that says, I'm not having it. I'm going to make sure that my vineyard is healthy, that my, that my field is well fertilized and well taken care of and well watered and well sown because I'm going to be the person that owns my zone. You know, you've got to remove apathy. Over this conference, you must remove apathy. Is there any apathy in your spirit about the things of God, about the church of God, about the people of God? You've got to get it out. You've got to get it. It doesn't matter out of your spirit because it does matter. You've got to get, well, it will do. It will do. No, it won't do. And you've got to say, no, it's, it's not just going to be okay. It's going to be better than okay. And I just think we settle for far less than God has for us. We settle for far less than God's best for us. And you know, I have realized I've got to remove apathy in every area of my life when it comes to my children. You know, if I am apathetic with attitudes that my children bring into our home, those attitudes will go from small to huge. They will go from a tiny area in our family to taking over our family. If I let those attitudes begin to creep in amongst the people on our team, on our staff, just a little bit of that sarcasm creep into our team and our staff. If I just let it come across the table, I know that before long it will have a seat at the table. And we have to wise up and get really smart about the things that are in our zone. Some of you are cohabiting. You are living with things that you would never dream of living a few years ago with. But you're so worn down. You're so fed up. You can't be bothered to fight anymore that you say, you know what? I can't do it anymore. And so you let it move in. You let compromise move in. You let sin move in. You let it'll do move in. And before, when you were on fire and you're feeling strong, you'd have said, absolutely no way, no how in my zone does that go down. But it's amazing how a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the arms can cause us to put up with stuff that God says, I don't put up with it. I don't want it in your zone. It's not feeding and helping you grow to the next level in life. And we've got to get aggressive about the things that we have become passive about. We've got to be women that have a little bit of umph. Hello? A little bit of kick butt about us. You know, not all this like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, lovely. I'm just a lovely Christian. Yeah, you're breakfast for the enemy. Seriously. I mean, you might be sweet and all, but underneath your sweet, you better have some strong. Underneath your, underneath your nice, you better have a little bit of like, you know, nasty. Like, uh, don't, don't, you know, don't even mess with this mother. Don't, you know, don't even, you know, and I have had to learn, you know, you've got to, if you're going to own your zone, know how to take authority. 
How many of you know how to take authority? I mean, seriously, take authority. And I have been on a learning curve recently of learning how to take authority in my zone because I've realized I have let a little sleep or a little slumber come in into the things that I treat sometimes. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe it'll get better. And, and I, I've realized, well, I can either think maybe or I can say it will. I can have a declaration that says God's going to come through or God might come through. There's a big difference, people. My son, uh, a few weeks ago, we were, we were going to London a few months ago. And the next morning we were going to London. It'd been a crazy season in our family and we'd been traveling a lot. And so we planned to go to London to see a show and it was going to be a nice breakaway and the kids were all excited about it. And you know, I just began to put two and two together that any time that my family and I were going to take a break and just have a rest as a family to recoup, one of us would always get sick, always. Every time we were going to do something that would replenish us as a family, someone would go down with a sickness. And so the night before, we were about to go to London. We're with friends. We're out for a walk. And my son Noah is fine. And we're playing in the park. And we get back to the house. And we're going to be going for dinner. And we get back to the house. And within seconds, he's as white as a sheet. He's vomiting. He's got a spike high temperature. And he's like, just not himself. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I'm thinking, we're going to London tomorrow this is going to ruin our trip, you know, this is a nightmare. So I'm like, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. So, you know, you do what all mothers do. You tell me he'll be fine and you shove him in bed and you're like, okay, when he wakes up in the morning, it'll all be better. And so I put him in bed and I kind of pray for him and, you know, and I carry on my night and I go back in his room and he's still got a high temperature and he's sweating and he's in a deep sleep. And so I kind of pray for him and I'm like, you know, Lord, you know, he'll know her. I'm going to London tomorrow and this is a bummer. So if you could fix Noah, that'd be really great. And, uh, you know, kind of one of those kind of prayers. And I come out of his bedroom and I'm walking down the corridor from his room to our room. And I was like, and I just felt God say to me, is that it? I was like, sorry? <laughs> like, seriously, is that it? Is that, is that all you're going to do? That's your child that's really sick. That's it? I was like, right. It was midnight, and in my grand pajamas, I got really mad. I went back into his bedroom, and he was fast asleep. And I stood in his room, and I was like, right. Right. I was like, in the name of Jesus. Enemy, you get your hands off my son. He is marked by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is saved and he is redeemed and he is part of the kingdom and you have no right in our home enemy and there's not going to be an attack on my family enemy and this is my zone enemy and you don't belong here. You get your stinking hands off my child. And I'm telling you, I felt the presence of God flood the room. And I began to pray in the spirit. And I began to get mad. And I kept my voice at this level because he was sleeping. And I was like, I was like, you know, I was like really up on the inside. I was like, I am not having this. Every time we go away, you think that you're smart, you're stupid. I am so onto you. I am onto you. And I am having you. And I am not taking it any longer. And I say he is well in the name of Jesus. Listen. From his dead sleep, Noah went, Amen! <laughs> Freaked me out. So I tried it again. 
I was like, that was too weird, dude. I was like, Jesus' name. Amen. I shut dead asleep. Third time. The name of Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, I burst out crying. I came out of his room physically shaking. He was still asleep and bumped into my husband on the corridor. He's like, what in the world is wrong with you? I'm like, power of God, Noah's bedroom. (laughs) Like, I'm in shock that the power of God was in Noah's bedroom. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that can happen. We are believers, we're leaders, okay, yeah. (gasps) No, it's really in Noah's bedroom, like, like really. (laughs) Like, you should go in there. It's like really, really thick in there. He's like, okay. Seriously, he went in. He's like, whoa, what's going on around here? I'm like, I'm telling you, I just claimed a healing and that boy is fine. Next, I was like, proud mama, like, you just leave it to mama. I'm all over it. I don't know what you're doing here. I took care of it. You go sleep. Next morning, Noah's out of bed bright and early. Let's go to London. No fever, no nothing, no fine. I said, Noah. I said, Noah, I said, I said, do you remember mommy coming into your room last night? No. Do you remember me praying for you? No. And I felt God say to me, Charlotte, he was asleep, but his spirit was awake. And I'm telling you, you have to understand that you have authority. You have a spiritual authority in your zone. Whether you use it or not is up to you. Whether you take it or not is up to you. And sometimes we put up with stuff for so long. We live in the same house as stuff for so long because we somehow forget along the way because a little sleep and a little slumber puts to sleep inside of you the passion that needs to arise in you to take authority over some stuff that just enough is enough. Enough is enough of the fear. Enough is enough of the intimidation. Enough is enough of the sickness. Enough is enough of the gossip. Enough is enough of the backslidden way from God teenage son. We're calling you home. We're claiming that you are not going to be lost to the enemy. We're taking some spiritual ground. And if you get aggressive and begin to own your zone, God realizes, hello, this person's getting serious. They actually believe the Word of God instead of sitting in church every Sunday. They actually believe that there is power in my name and that power can be used in their zone. And I have begun to get on the enemy's back 24-7 because I'm not going to be a woman that lets him cohabit in my zone. I'm not going to live with stuff that Christ went to the cross to set me free from. I'm not going to live with and put up with stuff that was paid for by a very high price, which were nails in his hands and thorns on his head that paid for stuff that we're now living with. And I'm like, where are those people that are going to own their zone? Where are the mothers that are going to own their zone for the daughters? Where are the women that are going to own their zone for the women that are out there on their own? We have to be women of force. We have to be women that are not frightened to be all of that. We have to not be afraid of that strength that is in us. You know, you can be cute. I love bling bling. I love high heels. I love makeup. I love all that stuff. I love girly chats, but I also love kicking the devil's backside. And I, and I don't see why it has to be one or the other. And, and I just think that I just think there's just a lot of stuff that we let slip by that we should be arresting. And when God said to me, is that it? I was so provoked. I'm like, you know what, God, I can so do better than that. 
You know what? I can so get on my knees. I can fast about that. I can, I can go without food for that. You know what? I can do something that is sacrificial for that. I can sow seed into that. I can give money to that. I, I, I can show up and pray about that. I can call my sisters together and get in agreement about that. I don't have to wait for someone to call a prayer meeting for that. I can call one all by myself because the Spirit of God has given me authority and we must take it in our zones if we want to see things happen. I don't know what you think about your neighborhood, but I think about mine. It belongs to God. They might not all agree with me, but I don't really care because it's my zone. I live on your street and the day I moved in is the day that you had no choice about it. <laughs> and slowly but surely, we are infiltrating our neighborhood with the gospel. And, and now the kids that belong to the neighbors that are atheists come to church with us on Sundays. And they've told their parents, I'm going to church with the Gamble family. So whether you want to or not, I'm going to go. And, and they go, okay then, because child has come in our zone and in our zone that's what we do and they want to be part of it and and I just think that there's just some things that need to change in your life and mine but it's not going to change by just you putting your hands up to heaven and saying God sort it out for me God's going to say I will through you I'm going to work through you you're you're a smart lady use your brain that's what I gave it to you for use your mouth that's why you have it you use it for a lot of other stuff I mean, like seriously, enough's enough. Enough's enough. Some of you just need to get absolutely fed up of the situation you're in. Some of you are just not fed up enough. You're not fed up enough. You're happy to live with it. You've got used to living with it. You put up with it. You know, I was with a woman uh, not so long ago that came forward and she said to me, you know, I don't know what to do because, you know, I love my husband, but he beats me. So, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, you don't put up with it. You don't put up with it. That's not your calling to be beaten. It's not right. He needs help. You need, but it was almost like she was like, well, I've lived with it for so long. I guess I'll just keep on living with it. I was like, really? Really? So that's what you want your kids to see? and your daughters to see, and your grandchildren to see? I don't think so. I think there's a resolve here that can mean that you don't have to be beaten, can mean that we pray for your husband, and can mean that restoration comes. But girl, you're going to have to own your zone because I can't own it for you. You can't complain about what you won't own. You can't complain about what you're not willing to make some decisions about. And a lot of us complain to the pastors and the leaders about the things we have to live with, but we don't want to do anything to change it. And we have to get serious about what's in our zone because we have to pull the weeds. We have to dig out the roots. We have to deal with the stuff inside of our lives to model something. You know, there's an incredible story that I want to show you. It's a funny story, but it's so amazing to me that what this woman did. And uh, she gives me great hope for what we can all achieve when we think that we really don't have anything to offer. And she's found in 2 Samuel 20, verse 14. And I'm going to read her story to you because she's a woman that owned her own. She might not have seen the most qualified. She might not have seen the most able. She definitely wasn't the youngest. She probably wasn't the most adequate. But she was a woman that protected and loved where she lived. So much so that she said, I'm going to own my zone. And what happened, to give you a context of this story, is that David is, is being, 
is being called names and he's being persecuted by this guy called Sheba that they are trying to catch. So David's army are trying to catch this guy called Sheba, who's a bad dude, okay? He's a bad dude. Everybody say bad dude. Bad dude. How many of you know bad dudes sometimes come into your life? So he's a bad dude and, you know, he, he needs to be gone. And so Joab is using the army, David's army, to pursue this guy and to catch him and to kill him. And what they've done is they've just gone running after this guy and he's running through village after village after village, zone after zone after zone. And David's army are charging after him. And in the, and in the kind of surge to catch him, they're just killing anybody in the way. So they're going through villages and they're killing people and they're trying to catch this guy and warfare's breaking out and people are getting injured and women and children are getting injured and they still haven't caught him. And now he runs and he ends up at this zone, this town that he ends up in hiding and the troops arrive at this town to go through and to do the same thing there that they've done in all the other towns, to go in and knock the walls down and go in and cause havoc just for this one guy until they meet a woman that owns a zone. And so it says in verse 14 that Sheba passed through all the tribes to Abel Beth Maka and through the entire region of the Berites who were gathered together and followed him. All the troops through Joab came and they besieged Sheba in Abel Beth Maka. They built a siege ramp up to the city and it stood against the outer fortifications. While they were battering the walls to bring it down, so they're bringing all the city walls down just to catch this one guy, going to go in there with their swords and with, their, with, with bloodshed. They're about to go in and do the same thing. As they start to climb the walls to batter them down, verse 16, a wise woman, just one, that's all you need. <laughs> Just one kick butt own your zone woman can do a lot of good. A wise woman. I mean, just imagine it. Just, you know, you've got to stop when you read these stories and you've got to imagine it. Here's a huge army with knives and swords and shields and ladders and they're banging the walls of the city down and they're David's mighty guys and there's Joab and they're all armed to the teeth and there's this little old lady, a wise woman. And it says this, she called from the city, Oi! the English version. <laughs> Oi, listen here. Tell Joab to come here. I need to speak to him. I was like, whoa, what just happened? You just entered someone who owned their zone. Uh, I don't know what you all think you're doing on my city walls, but can you go get the guy in charge? I need to speak to him. So the guys, the big military dudes, are so shocked at this woman telling them all to stop that they stop. And they go, oh, all right then. So they stop what they're doing. Verse 17, so he went towards her and they got Joab. And he went towards her and she said to him, uh, are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, um, listen to what I have to say to you. I'm listening, he said. She continued, Long ago, don't you love how a woman starts a conversation? <laughs> he must have been thinking, oh my word. Long ago, way back when, long ago, they used to say, get your answer at Abel. And that settled it. We are a peaceful and faithful in Israel. 
You are trying to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Far be it from me, Joab replied. Far be it from me to swallow up or destroy. That is not the case. A man named Sheba from the hill country of Ephraim has lifted up his hand against the king. Hand over this man and I will withdraw from your city. The woman said to Joab, his head will be thrown to you from the wall. (laughs) For real. For real. She's like, whoa, I don't know what you all think you're doing in my zone. But I need to let you know, in my zone, we don't carry on like this. In my zone, we don't fight like this. In my zone, we don't let people come in and chop people's heads off for no reason. In my zone, we have order. In my zone, we have peace. So I know you all are big and strong and you all belong to David's army, but I don't really care because the rules change when you come in my zone. Your behavior changes when you come in my zone. Now put down your swords and have some manners, you naughty boys. Now tell me your problem. So they tell her the problem. She said, leave it with me. A head (laughs) will be thrown over the wall. And they must have been going, seriously, woman, are you for real? We've been through all the villages, all the towns. We've killed so many people and we still haven't caught this guy. And you're telling me that you're just going to let us all climb down and you're just going to go and get a head and lob it over the wall? She's like, that's exactly what I'm telling you. You know what? If you'd have come to me sooner, I would have sorted this out for you. If you'd have listened to Nana Wisdom earlier, this would not have been necessary. But now that you're all here, chill your jets and leave it with me. I own my zone. And so they get down from the walls. The woman goes. Verse 22, the women went to all the people with her wise advice. And they cut off the head of Sheba and they threw it over the wall to Joab. So he sounded the trumpet. All the men dispersed and they all went home for dinner. (laughs) I love the Bible. I love the Bible because there's so much to learn from it. There's just a woman, just a woman. Some of you are saying, but it's just me. Everyone else is against me. It's just me in my office. How can I own the zone? I am outnumbered. It's so hard being a Christian. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm going to eat words. I'm all on my own. Then you're in the worship. He's with me. He's for me. Who could be against me? Monday, I'm all on my own. I'm all on my own. (laughs) Sunday, power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. No fear. Monday, I'm so scared. I'm so scared of that person. I'm so scared of sharing the gospel. Tell them about Jesus because then I won't be in with the in crowd. No, I'm so scared. God's going, is that it? Seriously, is that it? You want to take the ends of the earth and you can't take your end of your street? You want to claim that, you know, there's power in my name and yet you won't speak power in your home? I think we have a problem. I think we've got work to do. And this woman stopped everybody. See, some of you have got things scaling the walls of your life. 
They're on ladders on the walls of your life, on the walls of your marriage, on the walls of your friendships, on the walls of your gift and your potential. There's stuff climbing the walls of your life like there was in this picture. And you have to, like that wise woman, get up to the wall before they come over the wall and say, I don't know what you think that you're doing around my walls, but I need to let you know something about what happens here. What happens here is peace. What happens here is righteousness. What happens here is that God God reigns and God rules. What happens here is that we are bought by his blood. What happens here is that we don't bow down to the fear that you're about to bring into our town. So you might be on the wall, but you go no further. You get back down your ladder and I will give you a head. I'll deal with the situation, but I won't let you own the zone. And, and it's not that things don't need dealing with, but you have to take the authority in Christ to deal with it in the way that he has given you wisdom to. There's too many people that have massacres in their life when it just needed one head removing from one situation. But because we don't own the zone, we would rather the army come in than us deal with it. We'd rather people take over than us take authority. And we've got to learn that God is looking for you to take authority, to absolutely take authority and become the strength that God has made you to be. You are not weak-willed women. You are strong, mighty warriors of Christ. And unless you understand that about yourself, you will let things come over the walls of your life 24-7. And then you will wonder why you're in the situation you're in. Why are you living with the stuff you're living with? And as stuff is coming up the wall, you should be ready at the other side to say, I don't know what you think you're entering, but you, you've got me confused with someone that's an easy target. You've got our home confused as somewhere where you can wreak havoc. I, I don't think you understand who lives here. I don't think you understand this is not going. You know, I've had to stand my ground in illness. I've had to stand my ground in attack. I've had to stand my ground in things that have happened in the church that I never thought I would see happen in the church. And you know, everything inside you sometimes wants to run, wants to tuck your head down, wants to ignore it, wants to not own the zone, does not want to stand. You know, it's those days when they say, who's the leader around here? And you're like, not me. <laughs> On the good days when the church is prospering, you're like, yeah, I'm in charge. Yeah, I did this, I'm in charge, I'm the leader. And on the bad days, you're like, yeah, I, I don't want to be associated. Like, I'm just taking a break. I want to be out of here. I don't want to be around when everything goes down. But you have to be confident in good or bad that God is with you to own that zone. God cannot back you up if you won't stand up. God cannot stand with you if you're sitting down. God cannot come forth with you if you are standing backwards. That's right. You've got to own your zone. You know, some of you even practically, like she gets off her feet and she's saying amen. You know what? Some of you practically, this conference need to own your row. If you're sat next to miserable and more miserable and depressed and asleep, <laughs> for real, if that's the row that you're on, it changes when it gets to you. I own this row. I don't know where you think you're sat, but I own this row. <laughs> this row is joyful. This row is positive. This row amens on Sunday. This row gives. So get your checkbooks out. This row, this, this row lifts its hands. This row welcomes visitors. Uh, uh, you sat on my row today. I don't know whose row you think this is, but it's my row. Welcome to my row. So change your face. Seriously, go ahead and make my 
day. Oh, for a church that would own their O's. Just start there. Just start there. Just come on Sunday. Just come tomorrow and say, I claim this row, the happiest, most responsive, most generous, most life-giving row in the whole conference. Let's have a whole competition going on. I dare you. I dare you. I mean, it's called Joy Unspeakable, so let's see which is the most Joy Unspeakable row in the conference. And some of you, some of you, some of you, you know you've got a long way to go. Put a feather in your knickers tomorrow, it might help. Apart from Pastor Rob. You know, we laugh because we think it's a joke, but I'm serious. You know, when you don't own that, even that practical part of your zone, when you don't own that space in your car, in your kitchen, in your home, when you don't own it and fill it with the presence of God, you have let another day go by where you're just a little sleep, a little slumber. And I don't know about you, but life's too short. It's just too short to let thorns and thistles grow in my field. I don't want my kids getting prickled by thorns that I allowed to grow there. I don't want my marriage getting, getting pulled down by thorns and thistles that I have allowed to grow up because I didn't own my marriage. Because I didn't take time to love on my husband and speak life into him and encourage him and come alongside him and believe in him. So you're like, well, that, when he does it for me. Well, then that's not you owning your zone as a wife. That's you saying you don't own your wife responsibility. It's, it's all his fault. No, we all have our own zone to own. And I just wonder what your life would look like a year from now, six months from now, if you got rid of apathy and you took authority. I just wonder what would be different about your declaration and about the way that you view your life right now if you just decided to stop having a little slumber and start to take some authority. I wonder what you would talk differently about. I wonder what you would do now that you're putting off. I wonder what you would go and write now. I wonder what you would give now. I wonder what you would speak. I wonder who you would go and put something right with. Hello? I wonder who you'd go and say, I am sorry to. Because that thorn and thistle of unforgiveness has lived too long in your field. And until you say, I am sorry, it will keep growing and it will keep damaging your field. And all you have to do is own it and apologize. And God goes, just do it and I will be all over it. You can't have joy unspeakable until you pull the root out. It's not something mystical, people. It's very practical. And the story of this woman is very practical. I'm going to ask the band to come up or the keyboard player to come up as I bring this to a close. But I just wanted to start this evening the conference by saying, you know, whatever else is spoken, whatever else comes forth in these next few days, whatever you hear, whatever you see, it will only be as good as the ownership that you will take for your life. See, we can't give you seeds of wisdom unless you're going to plant them in your zone. We can't give you words of encouragement unless you're going to put them into your life and into your zone. If you won't own it, then everything will just bounce off you, this conference. But you have to own the good, the bad, and the ugly. You do. You have to own the good parts. You have to own the not so good parts. You have to own where you're doing great, and you have to own where you're not doing great. And when you own it, you can take authority over it and you can bring resolve to it.
You know, I don't know where your marriage is at. I don't know where your relationship with your children's at. I don't know where your faith level is at. I don't know what situations are going on that are troubling you or worrying you, but God knows. And just like that incident with my son Noah, you can't play with your zone. You can't kind of say, well, you know, God, I'll give it a try. You can't, you can't step in and step out. You can't take responsibility and then it's too much and don't take responsibility. You have to learn that God has given you a field. He's given it to you. He saw such greatness in you and such potential in you that He said, you can do this. The Bible tells us that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. God will stretch us, He will challenge us, but He won't give you a burden you can't carry. And God is with you in your zone. But I believe tonight some of you have to take authority. Some of you have to own up to an area and you might not need to talk to anyone else about it. Unless God has it that you must speak to someone or do something practical. Maybe this is just between you and God, but before you go any further into this event, you gotta deal with some stuff and say enough's enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm gonna draw a line. I'm not gonna go back into compromise. I'm not gonna live that way. I am not gonna be a double-minded Christian. I'm not gonna fake it on Sunday and then be a complete different person Monday through to Friday. I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm gonna admit where I'm fearful and own it. You know, if you're fearful, there's nothing shameful about being fearful. What's shameful is pretending you're not fearful so you don't get help. But if you're fearful, it's okay to say, I am terrified. Just own your terrified state and let God work with you in the terrified. If you're depressed, if you're down, if you're fed up, if you're disillusioned, it's not condemnation for feeling that way, but the only way you turn it around is by admitting it and own it. It's like when you get lost. How many of you know if you ever get lost with a man? <laughs> there ain't no way you're asking anyone for directions. So you stay lost. My babe, why don't we just ask that man? No, 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 no. I know where I'm going. Why don't we just ask that lady? No, 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 she looks more lost than me. Why don't we just ask that family? No, I'm sure they're not from around here. Half an hour later, seen the building, same building 14 times. Babe, I think we're going around in circles. No, we're not. I know where we're going. Why don't we just ask somebody? No. Some of you are like that. You can't get out of the situation you're in because you won't get real about where you're at. And God needs you to admit where you are at tonight. Not where you want to be, not where you're heading, but where you are actually at. God, this is where I am in my zone. This is the situation I face. This is the fear. This is the disappointment. This is the issue. This is where I am. But God, I own it tonight. 
I own my failing, I own my trouble, I own my depression, I own it. And I say, God, I don't wanna live with it anymore. I wanna take authority. I wanna own my zone. I wanna be better. I wanna be bigger. I wanna be, a, I'm gonna stop blaming my husband and blaming my children and blaming the pastor and blaming my friends. I stop because blame just deflects everything out of your zone. Like it's someone else's fault. But if we will be women that will own, it all, good, bad, and ugly. Now I'm telling you, you will see more breakthroughs in the next few months than you've ever seen. You will see things like I saw in Noah's bedroom where the presence of God came in that room and owned that prayer like you have never seen before because God is serious about this. God wants to own the zone with you, but He's waiting for you to stop being apathetic. 